0: Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi,
1: this is Victoria Meyer. Welcome to The Chemical Show. Today, I am speaking with Trevor Best, who is the co-founder and CEO of Syzygy Plasmonics. Syzygy is a technology startup that's using a breakthrough breakthrough plasmonic science developed at Rice University to perform chemical reactions. Um, They're developing chemical reactors that use light um, and change the energy profile and the capex profile of typical chemical reactors. So we're going to be talking with Trevor all about this, about being in a startup, about how they're getting to commercialization, et cetera. Trevor, welcome to The Chemical Show.
2: It is fantastic to be here, Victoria. Thank you so much for having us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Delighted to have you here. What's your origin story? How did you get started in chemicals? And then how did you turn your focus to green chemical manufacturing and what you're doing today?
2: Thanks for asking. So like my, like, foray into startup land like goes all the way back to 2013 and uh at that time i you know started trying to get something off the ground and i just wanted to do good like the first one was a nonprofit called h2 open source uh you know as things that one didn't work out and as things went on tried other things like focused around water purification uh that was a company called matabios and that was where i met my co-founder dr suman Kadiwata and then uh when suman and i first paired up we were working together at baker hughes in their r d division and uh we had decided like hey we're gonna change the uh, oil and gas industry and push it towards uh, green energy from the inside out and this was like 2015 or so it was a bit uh, ahead of the time yeah. and uh, we realized that uh you know if we were gonna help to enable like an energy transition or something we need to do something really bold So Dr. Kadiwada and I actually went on a technology search and uh, we were looking at a lot of different, uh, you know, technologies coming out of different universities like MIT, Stanford. And in late 2016, I think August, 2016, uh, the two professors, uh, Professor Naomi Hollis and Professor Peter Nordlander, uh, our co-founders at uh, Rice University released their first paper on the plasmonic antenna reactor photocatalyst. Uh, Dr. Kadiwata and I are very inquisitive people so we went and started talking to them once a week about the technology doing diligence on it and when they started telling us about some of the numbers that they were achieving and we started comparing that against like traditional catalysis and you know especially traditional photocatalysis and we see that this thing is you know outperforming you know what had been done in the past and what's done in industry today by orders of magnitude we were like oh my goodness uh, there's something here so uh 2017 decided to leave our jobs at baker hughes and go all in on the company you know both both, uh dr kadiwada and i like cash in our life savings and did did the whole like startup launch like uh you know two guys in a basement and uh yeah with the help of the professors from rice and uh, a number of other angel investors around town got it off the ground and the company formally opened its uh, doors in just a week from now so it was you know, February 5th, 2018. And uh, yeah, so in one week, we'll have our five-year anniversary.
1: Wow, that's pretty amazing. And really, five years from formation to where you are are is actually pretty quick in the startup world, especially technology oh, startups.
2: Yeah, we are moving uh, blazing fast. And mm. uh, yeah, how we got into chemicals, you know, it was Uh, a bit of a fortuitous thing you know we were looking at all different kinds of things you know uh solar panels we were looking at uh different kinds of you know like thermoelectric materials and other things that could help enable the energy transition and uh you know we just picked this one you know not knowing much about chemistry and when we started really digging in and doing the diligence, you know, looking at like what the future would look like, we saw the importance of hydrogen at that time. Like, oh, if we're actually gonna decarbonize, hydrogen has to happen at some point. This, you know, this tech we found could potentially change, you know, the fundamentals, change baseline for these major chemical reactions planet Earth needs. And uh, let's let's start with hydrogen because that'll happen sometime. And we, we called that shot in, uh, late 2017. Wow. And yeah. And hydrogen was, I wouldn't say it was a dog. It was already a hundred billion dollar industry, but uh, it wasn't. But it's kind of an like, old
1: school industry kind of, you know, utility really viewed as a utility for a very yeah. long time.
2: Yeah, very much so.
1: Yeah. yeah and What's Okay. So Trevor, so like, I don't personally just go out and so- look at like technology applications and patents and coming up with these things so so it takes somebody special to want to do that were you working in a really two things were you working in a really technical space when you were at baker hughes and baker hughes does a lot obviously with oil field chemicals and chemistry and stuff so is was this also a natural tie to be looking at chemicals based on your experience at baker hughes or was it really just this leap into the bigger picture doing something new
2: it, so uh it wasn't that big of a leap? Uh, I had said both Dr. Kadiwad and I worked in the R and D division, and so uh, I was actually the quality manager for the invention process. So, like, I oversaw like how the process by which like we get ideas, you know, out of people's heads and onto paper yeah. and make one in the lab, and then the export to supply chain piece is where a lot of problems would crop up. And so, like, as as the quality manager for that process, I would you know, go in and fix it when it broke down. And so I had this really macro level view of how R&D was done and how projects were run. Uh, My co-founder, Dr. Kariwata, he PhD in nano engineering from Rice University. He was one of the material science. He's actually one writing the patents. You know, he he understands like what happens at the atomic level with these things. Uh, In my role, I also got quite technical. I needed to know how the equipment worked to, you know, understand how to manage it. And so, you know, we were both pretty technical starting out and a lot of the, you know, things that happen behind chemical engineering is, is like, you know, metallurgy and, you know, mechanical design and energy transfer and the, the really scientific piece, the catalysis and especially the photocatalysis. That's why the two professors from Rice University, uh, Professor Hollis and Nordlander are also co-founders because they are you know, world-renowned plasmonics experts. Uh, we've hired, you know, people out of their lab, like, uh, you know, Hossein Robot-Jazi. Uh, he's, he's over our catalyst development now. He We worked with him way back in the day, too, and he was part of the Hollis lab. And as we've grown, he left the Hollis lab and joined us. And he really knows that science. Our, our first hire was a PhD chemical engineer, Dr. Shreya Shah. She really knows chemical engineering. So really from, from the get-go, we had a pretty strong technical basis.
1: Yeah. It sounds like that. And, uh, and, and yet you've had to become a very commercial person in order to lead this organization forward.
2: Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, basically the deal between uh, Suman and I is he makes the reactor work. I bring in the customers and the money. Uh, okay. I, I'd done a lot of, you know, public speaking whenever I was younger, I used to do like debate and theater and stuff like that. So I kind of take to it naturally. And uh, I also yeah. had a six sigma black belt in Baker. So I would have to get into like organizational architecture and like why do processes break down and that pretty broad toolkit to draw from. Yeah, that's awesome. That's
1: that I think we may come back to some of that in a little bit. But um, let's get into Syzygy. So you kind of touched on where it started. What is it and where is it today? And maybe you can even just start with the name. What is what is Syzygy? (laughs) mean uh and then plasmonics what does that mean and and why are you you know where is it today what is it and why is it here
2: yeah so starting with the name syzygy i know very funny name uh but serious science it real english word if you can land it in scrabble you basically win <laughs>
1: i'll have to keep that in mind all right cool
2: yeah uh But what it means is uh, the alignment of three planetary bodies in like a straight line. And a really good example is an eclipse. So when the sun and the moon and the earth line up during an eclipse, that is a syzygy. You know, it could be earth and like Saturn and Jupiter, but anytime three, three planetary bodies line up. For us, it means the alignment of three things that are shaping the future. Energy, technology, sustainability. Where those three things line up, you get syzygy. Cool.
1: And then what is plasmonics?
2: Yeah, so plasmonics is a field of science. And uh, this is kind of a subset of nanophotonics. So nanophotonics studies uh, the interaction of light and matter at the nanoscales. And then plasmonics is uh, some metallic or some metal, uh, you know, aluminum, copper, silver, gold, these are the plasmonic materials, when you hit them with light, especially when you make these nanoparticles, out of them and you hit them with light, they will form uh, what is called a plasmon on their surface. And basically it catches the photon and all the electrons on the outside of that metal get excited and start jumping around and we can use those to do work. And so that that plasmonic effect, you know, uh, we are using that to drive chemistry. Uh, it can do other things in chemistry, like the professors, uh, they also have another company called Nanospectra and they're using the plasmonic effect and these uh, nanoparticles actually fight cancer they recently <laughs> treated the local weatherman uh, frank billingsley they, they treated his cancer uh, oh. not too long ago in a, in a success but kept developing it got into catalysis and now we are using plasmonics to drive catalysis in a new way and uh, yeah this is pretty much like cutting edge science uh it wasn't really known how to do this well until the past couple years and The professors made this breakthrough and uh, basically if you build these structures in some way they uh, it's not that exciting of results but if you build them in a very specific way suddenly there's just this like exponential increase in a lot of the metrics that matter for chemical engineering
1: yeah so what's interesting about that and um is the chemical industry is not really Does not typically embrace cutting edge very easily right and so you've you've uh started syzygy about five years ago um you're obviously rapidly developing you've got some partnering and yet let's be honest this is not an industry that wants cutting edge Um, they want tried and true and proven so how are you um resolving that right because because as you try to get into this market, it's not easy to get in with something brand new. Uh,
2: we are resolving that with a tremendous amount of effort. <laughs> uh, but uh, really, the I think the key for us has been uh, radical transparency. And when we think about like our field of science, like plasmonic catalysis is kind of this subset of photocatalysis. It is not a field of science that has worked historically for the you know, chemical industry. And yeah. this is not for a lack of trying. And in fact, almost everyone we meet has or knows someone who like did photocatalysis, you know, whenever they're in academia or worked on some photocatalysis project with like an energy major or a world government and it has never really panned out. And so now that we are getting some like really impressive results, yeah, uh, the, the biggest response we get is, you know, BS. So how we've managed to get over that is, you know, basically bringing people out to the lab, like uh, actually just in a room right over there, we have a reactor museum where we have like all the versions of the reactor since we started awesome. the company. So you can actually like see you know, how we've progressed and you can see pretty clearly like how it works. Yeah. And uh, that kind of transparency about like, this is what is happening on the inside, coupled with, you know, the results we're getting has, you know, been able to win people over. And I think that the past couple of years, the push of the energy transition and a certainty about the future has also made everyone a little bit more risk tolerant. And so if we tried to do this a decade ago, I don't know, it would have been tough.
1: No, I think the industry wasn't ready. And as you say, um, the energy transition, the focus on sustainability, net zero, et cetera, has driven a race to innovation and the acceptance of new technologies in ways that we haven't seen in the past several decades. So that that totally makes sense. So so let's get maybe into a little bit of the actual technology and and maybe your objectives with it, right? So at the end of the day, and before we got on uh, and hit the record button, you were really describing Syzygy as an a chemical equipment company. I think you have a better way of saying that, but but how? Where do you? where is Syzygy going and what is the the vision and the future of Syzygy?
2: Yeah. So we are a uh, chemical process licensor. So if you want to think of companies that are similar to us, this is like your Halder Topso's, your uh, Lummis Technology, Honeywell UOP. So you... Develop the core tech for making a chemical transformation happening happen, and then uh, you have to partner with a lot of people like EPCs, uh, you know, the operators, uh, other you know, component sub suppliers, and things like that to, to actually deliver. And so we make the chemical reactor, we help to design the package and the interface that goes around it, and then we license that technology to some. Else for them to use. Uh, they pay us a little bit of money for the license and they also buy the reactors and the catalysts from us. Got it. But, uh, yeah. Got it. Got it's it.
1: And the, the reactors are
2: everywhere. glass.
1: Am I right? And so is this the, the big deal? Is that it's, uh, it's using light? So is it using ambient light? Is it using focus light? How does that part work?
2: Yeah. So uh, there is a big piece of glass inside the reactor. So if you were looking at it from the outside, it's not like You know, crystal castle like this solid glass structure. No, the the outside is like, you know, metal. uh, And we're able to generally build out of low cost materials since we operate in a different way. We don't need quite the pressure temperature that uh, that others do. But uh, yeah, so we have the uh, light sources. You know, uh, we're uh, using LEDs today. We've been experimenting with a lot of other interesting light sources to energize the catalyst. And uh, between the light source and the catalyst, you need a piece of transparent material. Like right now we're using quartz and uh, yeah, that will let the light through to interact with the catalyst. And it's also pretty interesting because those materials are generally pretty good insulators. So they're good at keeping energy in. And uh, that kind of like method of like directly delivering energy to the catalyst is very different from how people do it today. Today, they they have a burner which heats up the whole chamber and like we basically just beam the energy right to catalyst bed. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but different. Uh, it, just to give people a a picture in their head, uh, you can imagine a quartz tube, you know, and it's like it's pretty thick, like we're talking like multiple inches and it's, you know, about the size of a person. And like that is the heart of our reactor.
1: Huh. Okay, so it it's different than I had personally envisioned it being. That's good to know okay so you guys are starting with hydrogen right so it's a a very large market large assets um as you noted earlier it's kind of a um had been a pretty sleepy market if we will right viewed as a low old technology um but it's also technology that's at a high scale high energy you know high energy usage high uh large scale options why did you start with hydrogen like what what's it with hydrogen why did you start there and i think you know even just from a scale perspective how do you get to scales that make sense
2: yeah so hydrogen was a pretty clear choice from the beginning just because you know we started the company to decarbonize and uh basically prevent combustion allow these operations to run on renewables and You know when we're looking at like how do we help decarbonize and we're doing the math around you know i think people are starting to get a lot more familiar with this it's like you know the uh lcas and uh life cycle assessments for for carbon intensity when we're doing these back in 2017 we're seeing the importance of hydrogen to a a future clean economy like it does not happen Uh, we would love to run everything on electrons renewable electricity but like you You can't have society without molecules and molecular energy and hydrogen, critical feedstock, it's an energy source, it's like Swiss army knife that has no carbon atom attached to it. And so just from the market case for it, there's a market there today, there's a huge scale market, there's a healthy, like small scale market, you know, opportunities for fuel cell vehicles, opportunities for like energy and and feedstock for low carbon uh, operations. It was like we we have to start with hydrogen and uh yeah and sorry what was the the other question so
1: so then i guess how do you get to scale right so it i mean obviously with a new technology you're starting small relatively small how do you get to a, a scale that makes an impact especially when you think about hydrogen as being such a large volume market
2: yeah so the scale's been fun you know as we took it out of Rice University, we started very tiny, we're talking like, you know, millimeter-sized catalyst pellet that is making milligrams of hydrogen per day. Uh, You've made a couple jumps. Right now we're operating at a scale of, uh, can max out at about 20 kilograms of hydrogen per day. The reactor is a little bigger than my head. And uh, we're in the process of building out that first one that uh, is around the size of a person. And that one will make about 200 kilograms per day. And uh, that one is called Rigel. That's the name of our product, the Rigel reactor. Uh, Rigel awesome. is a really bright star in the Orion Nebula. You know, Syzygy is an astronomy term. We're kind of kind of space yeah, nerds. Yeah, playing off of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Rigel is about 200 kilograms of hydrogen per day. And then you put multiple of those units together into reactor banks. So let's say you have five together that does one ton of hydrogen. Ten together would do two tons. And then it is just how many banks do you need for your application and so similar to the same way that like electrolyzer scale or battery scale or solar panel scale like cellular modular methodology Uh, it's just that our cell you know a Rigel reactor is kind of like a cell it's just really big yeah
1: yeah that makes sense so it's really the the end game is a modular uh, system that you put together as many pieces as you need yep yeah Awesome. So I know that um, per year R and D roadmap twenty twenty three is the year of commercialization, which is always a big pivot point with um, with startup companies um, as you move from really this development and very technical focus into commercialization. What does commercialization mean, and what does it look like for Syzygy?
2: Yeah. So this is probably the biggest transition we're going to have to go through as a company, and like yeah. up until this. This time, we have been this R&D company and you're managing everything for Eureka and when you're managing the company so that someone inside can achieve like a Eureka moment and like come up with a new design that like improves the metrics and yeah. uh, you have to manage in a certain way. And then now we're no longer managing for Eureka. We, we know what to do to hit the numbers we need to be disruptive. But now it's like execution and uh, like timelines and project planning and budgeting and all these fun like traditional company things. So we're you know, doing a lot of initiatives to kind of push the company and change it from an R&D company to a product oriented company. Like we're hiring a lot of people who have a lot of experience uh, in the industry and in different functions. We're really growing out the other groups like our you know operations, you know, uh, G&A, like HR and accounting, Groups, sales groups, et cetera, bringing them all in and kind of like indoctrinating and in what it means to be a part of Syzygy. To, we call ourselves Plasmon. So, like, what it means to be a Plasmon. And uh, that is all preceding the actual like technology delivery. So, right now, we're building that first commercial unit, that 200 kilogram per day reactor. We're going right. to test it at our facility this year. And then we get deliver it to customers who signed agreements with and so test it you know get a learning cycle in deliver it to customers let them test it see how it works Uh, those customer tests should be happening around end of the year and uh, then you know everybody gets to see the data things are looking good Uh, then we level up again and we start getting orders for you know the banks or multiple of these together where we actually start producing at scale at So timeline, testing a single reactor, like one of those rigels this year at our facility, and then at customer locations. Next year, reactor bank, you know, at at customer locations. And then 2025, we can actually start like bid processes for building a whole refinery kind of giant scale facility out of our tech. And uh, talking about moving fast, like that is just blazing fast for a new tech in this industry it really is yeah i think we're setting records i don't know but (laughs) maybe yeah
1: so i recently or or last year i talked with uh jennifer holmgren from lanza tech and it's you know lanza tech has gotten it's received great notoriety it's seeing a lot of success and they've been at this for 20 years to get to this point. So it's easy to say, oh, it's an overnight success because I, I've just recently heard of it. But in the case of Lanza it's taken them 20 years to get to this point. So I think you're right, Trevor. I think you guys are moving blazing fast, maybe at the speed of light, if we could even say that.
2: We, we like to make a lot of jokes like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you do. So you started talking about customers. Who are your target customers? When you think about as you guys are selling your technology and selling these reactors and and the components that go along with it, who are you targeting?
2: So I'm going to talk in general, and then I'm going to talk yeah. like about some of our specific projects, and yeah. then I'd love to talk about you know our uh, our customer base and uh, strategic investors who have like come in and will probably be our initial customer base. Yeah. So. Uh, like in general, in the market, we're we're targeting like the large energy companies, operators, you know, we can do many different chemical reactions. We can do hydrogen from ammonia. We can do hydrogen from methane. We can do CO2 to fuel. And, you know, these are all very important reactions for a clean energy future. And those operators, you know, the, the Chevron, the BP, the Equinors, like they are the ones who are most interested in these reactions they make the fuels they make the methanol they they you know sit in that uh that energy Nexus and uh there are some other interesting parties like you know vehicle manufacturers like Toyota looking at hydrogen vehicles and you know other like conglomerates like uh, we are also very involved with like Sumitomo corporation and latte and and those uh like industries more like trading companies where they have sections that play in energy, but they're much more diversified. And so uh very broad stroke. And the reason being is because to get one of these big projects done, you need a lot of parties. You need engineering partners. You need operators. Yeah. You need off takers. You need capital providers. You need government support. You need uh, just so many people involved to get one of these projects done. And so we're making a lot of effort to bring them all to the table. And yeah. uh, you know we bring our piece and then others bring each of their pieces. So the, the projects that we have ongoing right now, uh, we've got three. So one is in uh, the first one we announced in August of last year, that is uh, with Latte Chemical in South Korea. So we'll be uh, you know deploying our technology with Latte and uh, also in conjunction with Sumitomo Corporation in Ulsan, uh, South Korea. And this is for ammonia splitting. So they envision bringing in lots of clean energy in the form of ammonia to South Korea. And you use our technology to split it and get the hydrogen back out. Got it. And the next project, this was actually just announced two days ago. This is a CO two to fuels project, and it is sponsored by, by uh, Sumitomo again, and also Equinor. And uh, under this project, you know we're taking in CO two and methane. We are turning those into syngas, feeding them to a fischer tropes reactor, and uh, you know ultimately making sustainable fuels with the end goal to be like you know a pathway to make SAF at a very reasonable cost. Uh, that reaction is especially exciting because it has the potential to compete uh, head-to-head with traditional fossil fuel, like you know, straight up like traditional gasoline or traditional jet fuel, compete with it on price uh, while having a much lower carbon intensity. And then the third project is ammonia splitting, similar to the the project in South Korea, uh, and this one is in California. Uh, we have not done any press on that and and probably won't, but we do have a project uh, looking at California and that kind of like energy importing uh, in the form of ammonia and then turning it back into hydrogen for different applications.
1: Awesome. Um, I think that's good. So, I mean, obviously, partnering is really critical in this space. So, I mean, and you've got us, it seems like you found some uh, really good partners to work with. Um what makes a good partner for you? What makes Syzygy a good partner? How do you guys look at this whole, because obviously there's always an array of, of companies and individuals you can partner with. What's been critical to you as you've progressed with that?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, we're very concerned with scope, you know, and scale. So like how how big of a partner can they be? You know, someone who can like deploy meaningful, <laughs> Uh, amount of reactors like actually impact like meaningful change in terms of carbon emissions is it first and foremost uh, after that like I'd say a willingness to change like are they actually serious about this do they actually want to make the transition happen and uh, I'd say those are the two primary ones and uh, you can look at our current partner base and uh, you know we've done quite well uh, we have picked up. Uh, Equinor, Chevron, BP, uh, Saudi Aramco, Toyota, uh, Latte Chemicals, Sumitomo, and uh, Pan American Energy. And so, you know, lots of very you know committed partners. And I think that uh, this group is, especially when you talk about the energy companies, there's like a whole thing like, is the energy transition really going to happen? Yeah. And uh, one of the things is that with this group like they actually uh, gave us like access you know pretty high up in the organization and we got to have conversations and like they have all decided that something is going to happen like the energy transition is going to happen they're going to decarbonize and uh they are all very much like looking as like which technologies can actually do it mm-hmm. and yeah so very much like can they deploy at scale and Are they actually going to do it are our main criteria and we feel that we've done pretty good
1: yeah that's awesome i it sounds like a great set of partners a great list of names that you guys are working with i know they're excited to be uh to do be doing that you know one of the other questions i had for you um is really around scale and speed and you've, you've touched on this speed and you guys are moving really quickly to get to a commercial um platform How are you? What lessons are you taking from other technologies or digital companies um, in terms that seems to have mastered speed and scalability? Like, right, if we look at Silicon Valley, they would at least have us believe everything's fast. Um, How do you, what lessons have you taken from that and how have you applied it to what your company is
2: doing? So, I love other founders and I talk to a lot of other founders, like pretty much as many as I can meet and, you know, some very successful uh some earlier stage than us and uh especially when talking about like software and Silicon Valley uh, a lot of those companies can scale in ways and at speeds that I just don't know if it's possible for a company like ours to scale uh you know I'll I'll talk about some of the key learnings here in a second but like when you're looking at uh you know chemical technology like ours uh, versus like a software company, you know, if a software company has, has a critical failure, they delete some, uh, you know, congresswoman's uh, or congressman's Twitter account. <laughs> and sure, they're upset, but like, it's not that bad. If uh, if we, we have a critical failure, it is pretty serious, pretty right. significant. So, you know, we uh, can't move too fast, we have to make sure that we have have a lot of rigor, a lot of checks and balances in place as we get to larger scales. And it just, it takes time, you know, mm-hmm. and it, even like we're working with, uh, you know, governments on like permitting, especially with the new technology they haven't seen before that doesn't that doesn't move as fast as you would like it to. But, but uh, I think the some of the key learnings is build for the next step. Like uh, wherever you're at, always be building for what comes next. Because if you wait like until you're a hundred percent ready, like if uh, you've done a and now you raise money and then you're supposed to go do B, start building for B before you're you've got mm. the money raised. uh otherwise, there's like this cycle after after you get the money in where you have to you know start to scale and it like stalls out. So if you want it like smooth progression, you always have to be building for the next step uh. Treat your people well, like you're only as good as who you have on the team. And yeah, it is like, I I have the easiest job in the whole company. I really do. I just sit here and I talk about all the awesome stuff that everyone else does. And uh, like when we talk about like achieving these milestones and, you know, bringing customers on and getting recognition, like that is a tremendous amount of work by everyone around me. So yeah. Treat your team well. surround yourself with with good people, and you will go far,
1: yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, so Trevor, you know, I think we've touched on some of this already, but what's next? What should we be looking forward to from Syzygy?
2: So what's next for us? You know, we've got the money. Now we need to go deploy in the field. And you know it is very much like on us to execute. So we got to get this technology you know, test it at our facility. We got to get it deployed in the field. Uh, we got to, you know, hit the, the, you know, metrics and milestones that have been, you know, set before us. And, uh, and then the sky's the limit.
1: Awesome. Well, great. Trevor, this has been fun. Thank you for joining us today on the Chemical Show. Appreciate having you here.
2: Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Victoria. This is a, a fantastic pleasure.
1: Absolutely. And thanks everyone for listening. Keep listening, following, sharing. Um, and growing the Chemical Show podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.
0: We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.